Welcome to the Channel for Grace Uncut podcast. This is a deep dive into my life, my stories, my experiences, the things that I love to talk about, the things that inspire me, and my thoughts and observations about the world. This is a podcast where you'll mostly find me sharing myself uncensored, but where you will also meet amazing guests and hear about topics that will inspire you to keep learning, to keep searching for your truth, and to guide you to be unapologetically you. Hello and welcome everyone. I am so excited to be here with our very first a special guest, K-Moon. K-Moon is an astrologer and a twin flame channel. Her mission is to assist the collective of ascending twin flames to carry more of the frequency of love. Her work began in 2010 when her clear audience allowed her to connect with her guides on the other side for this work. And it has taken her to the next uh, it was taken to the next level when she opened to her twin flame journey k moon's astrological work predates this lifetime and continues to unfold in this lifetime she was remembered to the path of astrology during a dark night of the soul transit one year before she met her twin flame so thank you um, so much for being here with us k moon hey it's a pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm really excited to have this conversation with everyone. I know that the the rest of 2020 is uh, is pretty jam packed with a lot of crazy transits. So I definitely wanted to um, talk about it and share our thoughts on what is coming up. I'm excited to do that. Thank you. Yes. It's a big year. Yeah. Totally. Um, I'm actually very intrigued by the I, the idea that your astrology knowledge predates this lifetime. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, it was a really wild kind of experience where <clears throat> I just, you ever have the experience where you're like good at something in an unnatural way where it's like, I didn't st- study or train enough to be as good at this as I am. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because that's exactly how I feel myself about it. But go, yeah, because yeah. I see, you know, other people like wanting to learn it or who are studying it and who are, you know, just trying to understand different things about it. Um, and it's, you know, I just see the way my brain just I, I, I really only need to hear astrological information one time and that's it. And my brain has it in, it's locked in as if I'm remembering it as opposed to, it's like, oh yeah, 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 that's right. Thanks. As opposed to a learning it kind of thing. Um, and it's, I mean, that's not just, you know, brag or anything, but everyone has something in their life where they're like, okay, I don't know why I'm good at this, but I I like, it just comes very naturally to me. Um, And then when I actually understood and studied my chart, I was like, oh, this really, I mean, there's a little too much going on here to, for this to not have been past life for you. So, um, 
so yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, well, I accept and receive it. And it is at least helping me make sense of a time in my life that made absolutely no sense. That year was bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I completely, I totally uh, get what you're saying. That is kind of how it happened for me too. Um, I have really only been into uh, astrology for a year now, which is, it's wild because I was so drawn to it. It was like an instant being, you know, super drawn to it. And I have a lot of Gemini energy in my chart. So I have Sun in Gemini, Venus in Gemini, Chiron in Gemini, North Node in Gemini, and they're all in my 12th house. So I called myself the 12th house Gemini and I have this intense, and I have a Gemini rising. And so there's this intense mercurial aspect to me that wants to figure out, you know, more knowledge and more, understand more about the world. And, you know, I found out that, you know, the 12th house, you know, is the house that, you know, connects you to divine knowledge, you know, um, it, it's also a connection to the Akashic records. And so I have discovered that my passion for everything otherworldly has been, uh, has, has been the influence comes from there. And so same thing as well. I dove into it. I started reading every single book I could find on astrology and very quickly felt really comfortable talking about it and giving, you know, uh, transit talks about it and little horoscopes and stuff. Um, but I was amazed at how fast that came about. And I, and I tell people as well that I feel like I am remembering it like i've known this before it's not new to me i'm just remembering the information and so I, I agree with you that for some people it just certain things come very natural um and that has that has awakened in me like very recently that is awesome jai one of my favorite astrology teachers has said you know that she could spend a lifetime studying astrology and still not know everything that there is to know given how rich complex and deep the subject is so it, it yeah like it, it for i get how you feel that way that there's just this like once it's in it's in and it's just yours after that it's like oh yeah it's it, you became very comfortable with it very quickly that was definitely a shared experience for me there was a moment where it, it all just clicked. I don't know if you had that, that experience where it's like, the, at first it was all these separate pieces, like there's the houses over there, you know? And then the planets are, in my mind, I was like separating these things. I was like, okay, houses, got it. Planets, got it. Signs, got it. Order, got it. You know, that's how like my brain works. And then the more I started looking at charts, which is really where you start to really gain some more experience of it um, and doing your own interpretations and your own readings, that is when I started to realize, I was like, oh, this is how it happens. This is how astrologers get to that point where it clicks and you start to make some real amazing and powerful connections. And what I love about astrology itself is that you are the the energy that the interpretation is like what you bring to it is everything you know 
100% agreed. Um, because you could look at the same chart and the same transiting configurations to the natal planets and two very different astrologers could come up with two very different interpretations. Um, even though, you know, it's the same energies there, same planet, same houses, same signs, the, the fact that it comes through the filter of your lived experience and your personal connection to the divine is what allows it to become, uh, you know, such a, you know, like you as the reader becomes, you know, your own, you know, golden ticket. So, but I do, this make me think of something, Jai, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, some people really look to astrology to tell them their destiny and they want to know from the stars um, what's written there for them, what's destined, what's meant to happen, what is guaranteed. And I'm just curious, and I know that that to be a branch of astrology, um, you know, called fatalism, where you are basing the, you know, what's happening in the stars as fate for a person. But I'm curious what you think of that, um, that approach to reading. That's, that's such a good question. So something that happened, um, I was always just, I think, automatically drawn to Western tropical astrology. I didn't know that that's what it was, you know, when I first started kind of exploring it, but I was drawn to that type of astrology. Um, and it was the astrologers that I watched and stuff. But then I started to get really um, interested about, because I kept hearing these debates about, well, Vedic astrology is more accurate. And then, and then it was like, further than that, it was like, well, no, it's, it's, it's because of the side real aspect of Vedic astrology that makes it more accurate. Where in terms to me, when I hear that word, I hear like fatalistic because, uh, you know, supposedly when you look at side real astrology and Vedic astrology, you're looking at the, the correlation between the, the constellations and the planets and the actual um, scientific or positional places of these things in relationship to the planet and the earth and the sun. Um, and so Vedic astrology ends up being like, I think it's 23 degrees um, um, they're 23 degrees back. And what has happened was that in Western astrology, at some point, they fixed the, the vernal point at zero degrees Aries. And so when the sun moves into Aries, at the time of the spring equinox, that's the beginning of like the Western astrological kind of calendar. And so Western astrology has become more of this kind of psychological, emotional look at the person and the personality. And Vedic and sidereal astrology has, to me, become the more, or has kind of always been, because they never really veered anywhere. Uh, Western astrology veered some direction, but Vedic, I think, has been around for longer. Mm -hmm. And um, so I started to, to see the distinction between the two. And so I wanted to make that distinction because to me, when I think of fatalistic astrology, I feel like if I wanted to get sort of more of an, 
not accurate in the sense of like, this is what's going to happen. But if, but if I was looking, I think we could use both types of astrology, but if I was looking for more of these like kind of more deterministic aspects of astrology, I would go get a Vedic reading. Mm. Um, but when it comes to Western astrology and what I love about it is, or tropical Western is that I can look at something and I can feel into the energies of the planets and i feel it's much more intuitive um both for the astrologer and for the person like you can personally look at your own chart and see what the the what the messages are that come to you right but with vedic astrology it's less of the personality or the intuition and more of just like the factual okay if this planet is here it's going to mean that thing and that's it that's the only meaning it can possibly have but i think with western tropical you have more of a sort of open-ended interpretation into what it what it means what it's going to kind of activate and so when it comes to life purpose and destiny i get that too like i actually offer a type of reading that's called the life purpose reading and i i guide people through understanding you know, their nodes and Chiron. To me, those two are very powerful. Like your healing journey and your life purpose journey um, give you a lot of information about where, you know, what, what are the, the, what is your chart kind of wanting you or guiding you towards? But the truth is that for me, it both, it started to unfold, like the story of my destiny started to unfold when I actually started to study astrology. Because I realized that one of the things that I was really meant to do was astrology. And I wouldn't have known that unless I actually started to study astrology. So like, what led me to that? Um, I don't know, but it was both this kind of combination. And so I, I, I think you can definitely look at someone's chart and say, you know, this is where you're being guided towards. Then I also feel like, depending on the choices that you make, is whether you're going to get there or not. You know, mm. I hope that I, th- I, th- I hope that kind of answers the question that you were asking. Yeah, it's. I find it a fascinating question, um, and I end up, you know, telling people that I don't read fatalistically. Um, you know, I. And again, this is that filter thing that you brought up that there's my belief system is what dictates how I understand the information I have about astrology and the belief system that underpins my work is that we're given unto a planet that includes both fate and free will. And at the end of the day, free will is the trump card. It is the best thing and most frustrating thing about other human beings on planet Earth. There's so many people uh, that come to me and they want answers as to like whether they should, you know, stay in a relationship or not, you know, or whether what's, you know, whether they should, you know, keep this job or not, or whether, you know, they should do this one thing or not. Um, And I, I'm always very careful to sort of, you know, give a reading like that because I understand that they, they have, it's like the, the, the two of, swords you know yeah like or like which wolf are you going to feed and yeah um i think for me teaching people how to become more intuitive about their decision making is really Mm -hmm. the key to um being successful uh in life 
and 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 feeling because because to me when you're moving towards your life purpose or your life path or what you were meant to meant to do you know what i mean like the in a destiny kind of aspect i think that the feelings that you have is you know this expansiveness this joy this gratitude this love for what you're doing to me that's what get, tells you that you're on the right path agreed right and then and then the opposite kind of emotions um, feeling stuck and all of that stuff should sort of show you like you're not like where you're at doesn't feel good. And so how can you move towards where you feel like better or where you feel happier about yourself? Um, that is more of a guide intuitively. So I guess in my own readings, yes, I give people insight into what I see in their charts, but I also believe that the natal chart, especially it's a map that can can that it's the beginning point it's it's not the end it's the beginning you know and so from then you can you can sort of expand out and and grow and learn and the aspects two people can have the same chart and be born at the same exact time in the same exact location take twins for example and the twins will have completely different lives you know mm-hmm I've seen that happen. It's really wild. And personalities too. Right? You know, it's interesting too because I just love how you shared that because there's, I actually, when people come to me and they ask about life purpose, I take a completely different approach um, and look at very different aspects in the chart to delineate that for a person. And it just goes to show, you know, like not, there isn't a one way to read. There also isn't a one way to do your life. There's just your way and the way that, you know, gives you, you know, expression of that purpose that you were just talking about. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, what are some of the aspects that just out of curiosity um, yeah. that you look at in terms of life purpose for people? So I do an assessment of um, houses more than I do planetary or nodes. Um, and so houses I look to are 10 house of fame and honors and the identity you come to be known for in this lifetime via your work in the world. House one and two, your essence and your self-worth, self-esteem and earned income. And then I use house five and six, your creativity, what can give, be birthed through you is house five. And then house six, service, the service that you are here to get to the world. It's also known as the house of healing, but I look at those five houses, they're planetary rulers for the houses governing it and then they kind of tell me this little story about the person most often a pattern will emerge that will directly reflect like between you know the five different you know houses and the different signs governing those houses and the house the sign rulers a pattern will emerge that tells a very specific story about what they're here to do. But when I look at purpose, um, and I've said this for many, many years, even before I started reading for people, 
I try to explain that purpose and passion are just, they're two different things. Passion points to purpose, but they're not the same. And that purpose is like the driver of a car. And the driver can switch from a Nissan to a Honda to a Lexus to a Lamborghini, can do whatever the driver wants. But that driver is always going to be in expression of that purpose, no matter which car they choose. Mm -hmm. And so you have a lot of choice. There's a lot of latitude. Um, You can get paid for your purpose, but many people are doing a purpose and they're not getting paid for it. I spoke to a woman the other day who's running a storage unit, um, but we looked at her chart and we talked about purpose and she's got healer abilities. And a lot of the people who come through her storage unit that she's built relationships with are people who are homeless, who've experienced a lot of trauma. She's doing her healing work regardless Mm. of what she's doing for work. And the question is just, are you satisfied with what you're doing for the nine to five? If you're not, well, you know, change that. If you are, fantastic. But no matter what, you were built to do a certain purpose, just like a cup was built to, you can put dirt in it and put a flower in it. You could put water in it. You could put wine in it. It doesn't matter. The cup is going to hold things. That's its purpose. You're always going to be doing it no matter how you choose to express it. So I just, I don't know. I find that very interesting to see how people are choosing to walk the earth with their purpose. Um, That is actually such a good point too, because when some people, right, they'll tell you stories like this, you know, and they will say, um, you know, I, I'm doing this, you know, and I can't find my purpose and I feel lost in the world. But then you're like, well, what's your favorite thing? Or what, what are some of the things that you do that make you happy? And they're like, oh, I have this garden and I just, you know, garden, you know, <laughs> and it's like, it, and it brings them the most happiness in their life. And they don't realize that they're, they're already doing that one thing. And so it, it almost becomes like, there's, there's sort of a mental block between like, I feel like I should be right. Doing this as a job, doing my purpose as work and getting paid for it. And then there are those people that that is their path, that they are supposed to be making money with what their purpose is. And there's no right or wrong between the two. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. That was a great question. Yeah. Um, Let's talk a little bit about 2020. I feel like there are so many astrological transits that we have experienced for the first half of the year, including that Saturn-Pluto conjunction in January. And now, and then all the retrogrades and stuff. And now for the rest of 2020, there are more intense transits coming. Um, if you could, in your, you know, in your own words, in a kind of general sense, if you could describe 2020 for the collective, what would you say about it? <laughs> You know, I think a lot of people in pop culture kind of jumped on the cliche bandwagon of 2020 being the year of clear vision, because we talk about when you have 2020 vision, your vision is perfect. You can see things very clearly. Um, You don't need a correction in your vision. But that actually wasn't 
far off from the kind of year 2020 has presented itself to be. Um, when the nodes switched from Capricorn Cancer back in June into Sagittarius Gemini, I believe that was June, right? I think so, yeah. There was a moment of reckoning <laughs> where I think people really got to clarity and insight and eyes wide open about, okay, the science that we thought we had on planet Earth is not as far along as we thought we were. The divisions and cohesions between people of different cultures, ethnicities, backgrounds, we're not as close or aligned to one another as we thought we were. The, you know, we thought the pandemic would be like, okay, 90 days and done. We're rolling into month six. <laughs> right? It's crazy. <laughs> and so there's this kind of, um, it's a moment of eyes wide open. Like, okay, we thought we were over here in this area and all these different places in the macrocosm and, you know, relate it to your personal life however it fits. You thought you were over here, but really 2020 is going to show you that the reality of where you are at mm -hmm. with money, time, finances, your marriage, your kids, their education, your family, your parents, your health, 2020 is exposing where you really are so that you can have clear vision about what needs to happen next. Wow, I, that is some powerful insight. I, I never thought to use, you know, the, the 2020 vision thing, but it's true. And um, that's, so I, I am, you know, for me, 2020 feels like another way to say uh, what you just said. It's like, it's the great awakening or it's um, the eyes wide open. Uh, I think that people are, starting to realize in their own lives that there, there are consequences to living life a certain way. <laughs> you know what I mean? There are, you know, people have been, I think, doing and living life in a way that they thought was right um, or whatever, like whatever, you know, belief system or kind of umbrella they, they follow. I think people have been feeling, like you said, like that they're, they're where they're supposed to be. But then the reality is that are we really where we're supposed to be? And I think that that's what 2020 has opened our eyes towards is there are, there are changes, big changes that need to be made in order for us to truly live. And I don't even know if like, you know, this whole idea of a kind of utopian society or world or humanity is even possible, but at least not from our, you know, standpoint, it seems like it would be many, many, many years before, you know, I feel like the humanity can evolve to really truly be in that kind of utopian place. Um, but I do feel like there's many changes that need to be made and we're starting to see those changes and the astrology has started to really break down belief systems, break down what we thought was real. Um, you know, it's the South node Sagittarius. 
um, it's what we used to believe in the old belief systems, whatever faith, whatever religion, whatever, you know, uh, thought, thought patterns that we used to have are, those are not working anymore. There's a, there's a new way. And so I think what's happening first is people are getting a dose of reality of what's happening in their lives. Um, I feel like people that are, you know, living, have been living their lives in things like toxic relationships, codependent relationships, toxic environments, whether work, home, anywhere that have been just putting up with it or not leaving from, from fear of whatever fear they have about it. Those are the people that I think are having the hardest time because to be honest with you, 2020 for me personally, yeah, it's a difficult year. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of things that I, I don't even know, you know, in a month, like where I'm going to be living, but at the same time, I'm trusting in the process and I know how to navigate through the darkness. And I think that there's the people that don't necessarily know how to navigate through the darkness are starting to, to really need some guidance. And I think that's where, if you think of light workers or, you know, star seeds or people that have, you know, at least healers that have this sort of um, innate or natural ability to walk through the darkness because they've, they've had experiences in this lifetime or they have past life experiences or even experiences in other planets that have, you know, given them this sort of ability to be this guiding light, I think that's why this is the time for those beings to rise up and really start being examples for those that are having to walk through the darkness. Amazing how that happens, right? Mm -hmm. There's also, I mean, for people who are really into the whole train of thought around Dolores Cannon and the New Earth, you know, the North Node being in Gemini, the sign of twins or duplicate, I think that there is some significance about the Earth splitting into two at this point and mm -hmm. a path needing to be chosen, mm -hmm. that this is really a year where you're no longer really allowed to kind of sit in the middle or stay on the fence, and we're seeing quite a bit of polarization. Uh, in the media and popular culture. I mean, even to the, the trend, I noticed this last year, I was like, what is that? These, I see these like marketing ads and they have these like girls, but their hair is dyed two different colors on two different sides of their head. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? I would never do that. But there's this energetic polarization happening um, in the air. And it's in part of the conversation. And so there's this kind of like, pick a side, take a stand. But, you know, pretending like the extremes are no longer there, pretending like what's really been compromising to yourself is not compromising. You know, the things going on in Capricorn, that heavy duty energy that's breaking down structure, because Capricorn is about structure you know, Pluto, Lord of the Underworld, Death, and Alchemy. Saturn, Lord of Integrity, Time, Order, Boundaries. Jupiter, just throwing gasoline on that fire those two have going on. Expansion. All of that energy together is really forcing us to take a look at, okay, there's a reason this needs to be torn down. 
because it, it can be rebuilt much better than what it's been, but there's no way to do, get a new house on this plot of land until we've got the old one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, and also, um, there's, there's this, uh, definitely split, a split in the collective. Um, and I think we are, I think most people, that's what I was talking about when I'm saying that I think people are having to, to choose, like they're have, having to face the music, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, like where do, where do I go next? What do I, what do I do? Everything's been disrupted, disrupted. And we're, we're in, in a, in a space of no space, if that even makes sense. It's like, yeah, you know, talk about that. No man's land, you know, like everyone is, there's uncertainty. Um, but one of the things that I have learned in my life um, is the, in that space is sort of like the fire of the most powerful creative energy that can literally you know, it's like turn, turn, you know, coal into a diamond or help you rise like the phoenix, you know? And so those things to me are really showing up right now. And I think we're collectively as a humanity, like the whole planet in this no man's land. And so there is, there's a, there's a big choice as to, you know, where to go next. Um, I, wild times yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly um, I wanted to discuss a little bit about some of the, the biggest events that we're going to see for the rest of the year so that uh, our, our audience can have an idea of energetically um, what's coming ahead what to prepare for what to expect and one of the, the biggest transits, we're actually recording this session the day before Mars, the exact day before Mars um, squares Pluto. And we're going to see that, that happen three times. Uh, and we're also going to see the week after Mars square Saturn. And that's going to happen three, three times. And so what are, you know, what are your thoughts or insights um, that you have felt about these uh, Mars square transits? Um, you know, it's interesting because I, the way I read, I look at things in context, right? So the Mars, first of all, the square um, for those of you who are a little bit newer to astrology is an, it's an, aspect of tension. It's the 90 degree angle, right? So you've got an energy that is like people approaching an intersection. And if everyone's going at 90 miles an hour, there's going to be a collision. So the aspect requires us to stop, make a choice, and then work with the energies coming from that 90 degree angle work together so that we can find a solution. Um, again, that same astrology teacher that I was mentioning earlier, her name is actually Nadia Shah. She's phenomenal. If you don't know her channel, please I've heard check of her, her out. yes, yes. She's wonderful. She talks about the square being a energy of motivation because the tension ratchets itself up so high that we're looking for and out. We're looking for a release valve. 
People are always looking for outs when tensions rise. The question is, are we doing this constructively or destructively? You know, we can, you know, fall back on, you know, codependent and addictive coping mechanisms for tension, or we can step into making decisions that are going to progress our life forward, knowing that, you know, this may mean that there are certain things we have to let go of, certain ideas and beliefs in this case, given that the nodes are in Sag and Gemini. So when I look at, you know, Mars having a square with Pluto and with Saturn and with Jupiter at, during this year, and I think about the path that Mars is on, Mars being ambition, outward moving energy, focused direction, um, and it sits in the sign of leadership, ambition, and our sense of self, Aries, but then it moves backwards, meaning the energy moves inwards, and then it moves back forward again, and then there's that tension between our sensation of who we are at our core, and Mars is also talking to Chiron, so all of our wounds are getting kicked up during this period of time getting highlighted, our wounds to our ambition, our goals, our dreams, who we think we are in the world. Everything is getting a hammering right about now. <laughs> and yeah. now we've got this, at, this energy of like, oh, and now we need to have a rumble with Lord of the Underworld, Master of Integrity, and the gasoline on this fire in the arena of structure and work. Wow, this sounds like a great time. <laughs> and I'm using that facetiously. <laughs> trying really hard not to laugh but I'm over here like almost about to crack up at what you're saying I, I completely agree and yes that's this is what's happening and so when I look at that you know and I look look at that for an interpretation you know there's an energy here of our sense of self being at odds with the structure of the world and us needing to make really um sound choices, congruent choices with who we are in our soul, who we are in our heart. We need to make choices about the path we're going to move on next because the path we were on, you know, them doors closed. <laughs> the mm -hmm. door has closed. The sun has set on that. You cannot go back to what it was. There is no pre-COVID life that you can return to because you now know things that you did. You can't unknow. <laughs> mm-hmm about people you love, about your well, life, about the people you work with, who especially, you are. Especially with that North Node Gemini, because the North Node Gemini is about the details, the facts, the information, the, the, the reality of what's going on. It's that mercurial sort of uh, mind, the detective that uh, looks for, like, well, show me the facts, you know? And so the, it's that, like that, that kind of reality. But yes, totally. So here we are. Um, the Mars piece, I think the, the first part of the year before Mars rolled into Aries and, you know, approaches this retrograde point, the first part of the year was a bit of a warm up. This was, you know, everybody's at the party in the basement, you know, doing those things they do at basement parties. The lights are off. The music is groovy. 
and there's a rumbling going on. You can start to hear like the, you know, mm-hmm. the traffic, the police cruisers outside, you, trouble's coming. That was the first part of the year. Mm-hmm. Now the police have stormed into the party. <laughs> the lights are on. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You can now see these people over here in the corner are half naked. Those people over there doing some illegal substances. You can now see somebody over there maybe OD'd. You can now see that somebody over there is like trying to ride the ceiling fan. Um, <laughs> like you just have, you, you can see now in this, okay, this is what I stepped into. All right. Chaos. It's <laughs> chaos. The chaos of life. And it's like everyone's caught red-handed, you know? Caught red-handed is the perfect way to put it. And so this Mars square, Pluto, who has taken away everything that is like dead leaves fallen off the tree. Saturn, who is demanding integrity or threatening an ending or a separation if we don't provide integrity to these areas of our lives that Capricorn and Aries rule. And Jupiter, who's going, hey, I'm ready to, I, we can keep partying. I mean, do you, do you like fireworks? So, you know, there's this energy here of going, okay, slow down, approach the intersection. I love mixing my metaphors. I have a copywriting friend who would kill me. She's like, don't mix metaphors ever. Um, but, you know, you slow down, you approach the intersection, you see what the other humans are doing. And you make a choice. Okay, if I'm going to go, I need to go in a way that's not going to kill anyone or kill me, ruin my car, ruin theirs. Mm-hmm. I got to pay attention here and make some choices. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the end of this year is really going to be about. Um, I think the fun, again, I use this word facetiously, piece about this is the the, you know, the dance that Mars is doing with Chiron and the way Chiron has been kicking up so many of our wounds to self, you know, ways in which we feel like we didn't fit, we didn't belong, we're not worthy, we're not, whoever we are, however we are, is somehow not enough. That not enoughness is going to be very loud as you attempt to make these choices. And so this is a moment of voting. You know, like you're voting for the kind of person you get to be in the narrative of life after this. <laughs> yeah, right? You're voting for like, okay, is Kay the kind of person who um, doesn't believe in herself and is, you know, triggered by this, this, that, and the other, and therefore is going to sit out her dreams, be on the sidelines of her wow. goals? Mm-hmm. Is that how I'm going to make the rest of this year go? Mm-hmm. It's this, this dance of Mars retrograde squaring Pluto, Saturn, and Jupiter is going to force us all to have a good look at the, I think you said the man in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, basically like, and Chiron being the, you know, the wounded healer and in Aries being, that's our ego wounds. That's mm-hmm. very, it's very personal. It's a very personal healing journey that yeah. that we're going on. And so uh, individually, we're going to be going through it. And then as a collective, we're going to be going through that energy together. And so you are going to see many people because there's pressure. Like these transits create a lot of pressure. 
because it's the pressure that can either, you know, make the diamond or not. And that's the choice that we have to make. But some people, I feel we will watch some people cave under the pressure and go back towards, if you think of like, I've been talking a little bit about, you know, Pluto and Capricorn and how in the major arcana, the Capricorn card is uh, is the devil card and how the devil card is about, you know, uh, addictions and um, it's the Capricorn card too. So it's like those karmic things that sort of keep you tied to that karmic cycle. And so you can never, it never ends. It just keeps going over and over that cycle that you wish you could end, but you just don't know how. I think it's, it's part of it is as, as a collective, it's facing those past karmic patterns and cycles and addictions as, as a collective and, making a choice as to, you know, are we going to cave under the pressure or are we going to rise above it? It's a beautiful interpretation. Jai, my question for you when you look at this is as you think about, you know, what Capricorn represents in the Zodiac, you know, the work, the discipline, all that stuff. And you think about that devil card and this Mars square where do you see that people have, you know, in a year of so much destruction, like what are their opportunities here that they may be overlooking? Well, this is, it's funny because this is the year of destruction in a way. Like a lot of the transits are the first one we had was Saturn Pluto, like destruct to the old structures. Yeah. And then, then these transits are kind of similar the Mars is like, we represent Mars, right? We're, we're that, like the Aries energy. Mars is the God of war, but I've been describing it as like David and Goliath. It's like, we're David and Goliath is Pluto and Saturn and Jupiter. And we're facing up against a sort of an enemy, I guess you could say that, that seems it's really strong. But then the truth is that Goliath defeats him with like a little rock. You know what I mean? And so when we think of this intense kind of uh, battle that we're having with these, you know, addictive things, these karmic patterns, these, the old, our old self, our old structures, uh, the truth is that it's, it's also a year of major opportunity because the old will die. It is dying, the old structures. And we're talking governmentally, because Capricorn rules, you know, those governments, corporations, people in charge, the elite, you could go on and on and on as to like kind of Capricorn represents in the career realms, work, you know, showing up in the world, um, you know, because of all of those things, all of those things are the old ways of those, what those things represents are dying and the new, and there's something new that can completely be born out of it. Um, and I think this is the perfect year of opportunity. Like you can, you can, it's, it's present, it's a gift. Like it really is a gift for humanity. Like when did we ever think something so big would happen that would affect the world that would literally stop everything and where everyone would literally have to stay home and quarantine and, be in their own sacred space and, and, and face the music and face the fears and face the addictions and face those things that they never wanted to, they've been avoiding their whole lives. Like when we, you don't get this 
often. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so it, it really is a gift that we can use to our advantage for sure to, to learn how to go with the flow. Sometimes we think going with the flow is like, it's so pretty and like so lovely and like, it's going to feel great. It's like, no, because the flow right now is like tumultuous. The flow right now is going with the flow of the transits means going through the dark night of the soul, letting the tower fall down and having to rebuild yourself. But that in that rebuilding is where the light comes through. Great question. Oh, I was just fascinated that you tied tarot into it because it got me curious. Okay, well then what happens after the devil card and the major arcana, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the whole thing is just this, uh, I can't even remember right now. What's the next card after the, the devil? The tower and then the star. Oh, that's right. That's, oh, then the star, of course. Oh God, all these things are so perfectly aligned. Um, let's weave it together that. for us. <laughs> let's go into that. Let's actually go into that. Exactly. No, perfect. Because one of the things that I wanted to talk about too is, um, the transition into like the Aquarian age. And there's a very powerful transit that's happening on the solstice. There's a couple of powerful eclipses that are happening in November and then in December, and these are the eclipses that are aligned with, with the nodes in Gemini and Sagittarius, which I think eclipses are activators. So there's an activation going on. And then we have this um, winter solstice where Saturn and Jupiter are going to conjunct at zero degrees of Aquarius. So if we talk about the major arcana, you go from the devil card to you face the addictions to the tower, you let the tower fall. But then what happens afterwards? It's like freedom. It's, 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 you get to rise up. And the star is the Aquarius card in the tarot. And so this is our hopes and our dreams for the future. And the Aquarian age fits so perfectly into this. Um, and so, you know, we can, we can go into the, the, the topic of the Aquarian age and, and, you know, what our ideas are about it. But I feel like right now, we're definitely transitioning. Things still need to fall apart before they come together um, or before they rise, like the star, before the hopes and the dreams arrive. Um, and before we see a brighter future, we have to allow sort of this intense change uh, to happen. And that conjunction, that Saturn-Jupiter conjunction at zero degrees of Aquarius to me is like a boost. It's going to be the boost and it's going to bring hope. That, um, that eclipse on December 14th, something I wanted to say about it is it is going to be going over a part of the world in Argentina. It's called Neuquén, but exactly the, 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 the midpoint, like the, the most powerful point of the eclipse will be right over this little town in Argentina called Esperanza. And Esperanza in uh, Spanish means hope. Isn't that crazy? And so that, this, wow, my mind is just like, I'm blowing my own mind right now um, with this top topic. But basically hope is coming back. And I think that, that exact conjunction is going to bring it. And I, I guess I wanted to kind of 
jump to you and and ask you what you kind of think of of that conjunction of those energies of saturn jupiter you know expansion and um in in that aquarius energy what what is your sort of take on this whole kind of aquarian age transitioning into it Mm, i think that's so cool um well, so people talk about eclipses being gateway points, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and not just gateway points, but, um, okay, now I've got too many thoughts in one mouth. Bring it back, Kay. Hold on. Um, backing it up just a little bit. Um, I love that, that that eclipse is going to happen over that town specifically. I also love that, and that's the December 14th eclipse. Yes, the Sagittarius eclipse. What I love about that is that it's a solar eclipse, right? And so solar eclipses and lunar eclipses have two very different energies. Lunar eclipses bring conclusions and completions. Solar eclipses bring new beginnings. And so that there would be a solar eclipse right on top of a town called Hope, come on. Right. Like, thank you, universe, because we're going to need it after this year. Um, yep. And so contextually speaking, you know, this is part of a larger eclipse cycle because eclipses don't work alone. So trying to interpret them alone gives you like lo- looking through a peephole or a keyhole. Like you can't see the whole room. You can only see what your eye can see through that little hole. When you look at the totality of the series, you get, a, you get a sense of the story. And so this particular story is actually part of a larger story that began in 2012 with the end of the Mayan calendar, because that was the last time we had the nodes in Sagittarius and Gemini and a Sag-Gemini eclipse cycle. So we're essentially, that was also the harmonic convergence where we had all the planets aligned for the first time in a singular line out from the sun. Uh, And I don't know how many hundreds of years, it was a long time since that had happened. And so we're picking up where we left off from those transformational energies of 2012. And now we're going to take it an octave higher. With the North Node being in Gemini about thought and communication and the South Node being in Sagittarius, um, there is a real call because both of these are mutable to, as you said, Jai, go with the flow. That's the gift of mutable energies and mutable seasons. They change from their bridge seasons. Mutable seasons start in one season and they end completely in the other season. And so that eclipse point that you're talking about happens right at the turning point of this eclipse series, because this eclipse series began with three lunar ending eclipses. And it began, and then starting with that solar eclipse on December 14th, that's the beginning of three solar new beginning eclipses that stretch into the end of 2021 on this Sag Gemini axis. So everything that had kind of come crumbling down this year, next year is going to be our rebuild year. But this year is about understanding 
why it had to crumble. And I think uh, these conjunctions at the end of the year are going to give us that hindsight 2020. When Jupiter talks to Saturn, we're going to have the opportunity to have a look at what needs to be in integrity before we rebuild because Saturn talks about integrity. Jupiter talks about hope. So we're looking at creating hope that is grounded as opposed to pie in the sky. It's grounded in something real. It's grounded in work and work ethic and what we can lay our hands to because that's what Saturn wants us to do. And then from there, we get, you know, this whole conversation opens up around, okay, we get to mourn and grieve what was gone, but we also get to chart a course for what can be built as Jupiter takes off into Sagittarius. Because between these three, Jupiter, Sagittarius, into Aquarius, between the three, Jupiter's going to move the fastest and pave the way with lots of expansion and hope energy. Saturn's going to follow in the mid place for two years, Jupiter's one year, Sagittarius, sorry, Saturn will be two years in Aquarius, following with, okay, I got the dreams, I got the goals, I got the memo, let's roll up our sleeves and get to work on it. And then Pluto is going to bring up the rear come 2023 and say, all right, I'm just going to put anything that doesn't belong in the dustbin now. I'm going to clean, take out the trash. Mm. So it's a beautiful cycle of rebuilding as we move into this next chapter of the age of Aquarius. Um, I think the, you know, there's lots of debate around, did it start? Has the age of Aquarius started? Has it not started? Is it starting now? When is it start? I don't know. My sense as I've looked at, you know, what different scholars have had to say on that topic is that we are in the middle of the transition to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jai, I'm curious when you look at, you know, that kind, that specific conjunction and the context in which it's happening, what do you see for humans given the kind of year we've got going on right now? You know, I, to me, I, I, that's the hope that we've been waiting for. Um, that's, that's the shimmer of light. That's like the North star, you know, um, that is the moment where I think we're going to start to realize that it's going it, to, I mean, it's been sinking in. Um, <clears throat> I think there's still people right now that are kind of hoping that things will go back to normal, you know, um, pre COVID or whatever. Um, I think right now we still haven't seen, cause like you said, the beginning was the beginning of the year was the preparation. The second half of the year is where the real like grind kind of grinding change and transformation and the towers are falling. And I had, you know, I, I, I follow, um, one of the, uh, astrologers that I follow is, uh, David, uh, Palmer. Um, he's the, the Leo King. He's, He's out there, you know, with his with his uh, astrology, you know, his horoscopes and his predictions. But he calls this second half of the year the battle of the gods, and those mm -hmm. major squares are like there, you know, there's a battle going on in the skies, and as above, so below, like astrologically. And so, I think that 
once this second half of the year sort of starts to reach a somewhat completion and and i think the eclipses are going to start to activate that that again it's another activation of energy just like the eclipses we just had and and something too that happened with the eclipses is because we had two you know two two new moons in cancer one of them was an eclipse then we had the capricorn lunar eclipse and then we had another new moon um, in cancer it it switched up the order of the moons that's something that i was kind kind of referring to so normally you would have like for example if you follow the zodiac wheel you would have like in airy season you would have the air the 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 sun will be in a new moon in the, you know with the moon obviously with um in the sign of the season that it's in and then you'll see the opposite full moon so like when usually the sun comes around moves into aries and you normally have an aries new moon and then you have a libra full moon but now because we had you know that that cancer new moon solar eclipse was at it was at zero degrees right Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure i'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure it was i think it was at zero degrees of cancer and then the 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 second new moon in cancer was at 28 degrees of cancer that switched up so that now we're seeing the energy of the 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 full moon before we see the new moon and that's go wild it's so wild It, it that will be going on until it, it goes on for about a year until like it catches up with itself. So we start, we started the cycle we just did with the, the full moon in Aquarius. And now we're going to see a new moon in Leo when normally it's Leo season, the Leo new moon should be first, but it's not. And then when the cycle ends in about a year, it's going to end with two full moons in Aquarius. <gasps> I just got the truth chills. <laughs> yep. So the Aquarius energy is coming. Like, like just, just hang in there, everybody. You know what I mean? But like that, this is what I, this is what I feel. It's like this year. And after these next six months, I think people are going to get that. All right. I can make a difference by making a difference in my own life, like stepping into more alignment with what I feel is my best life where I feel happy where i feel hopeful about the future because aquarius is all about the future um and i think that we're going to start to see that when 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 this you know saturn jupiter conjunction happen happens on the solstice december 21st of 2020 i think we're going to get a big dose of that and i i can't wait you know to 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 feel that kind of like relief you know can you, for people who are kind of still newer to signs, what would you say Aquarius represents and why would they feel relief at that period of time? For me, again, when you, when you spoke of putting things into context, moving from Capricorn that is ruled by Saturn that is so is so right now it's restrictive like capricorn isn't necessarily a restrictive energy but right now it feels really restrictive um because of all of the major players like saturn jupiter and pluto and then the south node was there too for a while um and those eclipses that we had you know with in capricorn um it just there's a lot of there it's pressure and i think when we get to aquarius 
we're going to feel a little bit of relief of pressure. And to me, Aquarius says it's an air sign, but it's also the water bearer. So when you think of the water element, the water bearer holds space for the emotions. It holds space. The water is also connected to the, the you know, the moon ruled by cancer. And so it's, it's the emotions, it's this, that sacred divine feminine too. And that air sign of Aquarius, which is very much, it's the higher mind. It's when you move from, you know, Gemini, which is the first sort of air mind sign. And then you move into Libra and then you move into Aquarius, which is the third one. That's like the highest expression of the air energy. I think it's going to bring, you know, innovation I think it's going to, um, like we've been talking about, bring hope. And I think it's going to start to hold space for something new. And to me, that is what the Aquarius energy uh, represents. It also about um, more community, like working together with people and being in, in um, focusing more on group and community than on the self. Um, and I think we're, we're learning that we can't do this unless we do this together. And that's what I think Aquarius is going to teach us. Wow. That's why it's going to feel like such a relief. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and I agree with you as well that, you know, once uh, Pluto moves into Aquarius in 2023, it's going to solidify that energy because Pluto um, is in a sign for, for a long time. It's like one of, you know, it's a, it's a very slow planet. It's a generational planet. What would you say is the, the time frame for Pluto? How long do you think it, um, oh, I can't girl, remember I have exactly that. Yeah, it's <laughs> fine. It's fine. But it, it's, it's like, we could say it's more than 10 years. I, I think it is. I would say, you know, Pluto, because it takes 248 years to get around the wheel of the zodiac, but its transit through the sky and around the sun isn't ex an exact 360 degree circle. Mm -hmm. What we get is that Pluto is in some signs much longer than other signs. Agreed. So, um, on, on, on average, for sure, it, we can just know that it's going to be there for a while. And so I think that it, it's going to solidify the Aquarius energy, which is about, you know, it's about the future. It's about innovation. It's about technology. Two new technologies, I think, are going to come up from this, um, focusing more on the group mentality. Um, I, th I think it's not all going to, it's not all, because, you know, there's always a choice, right? Everybody always has a choice. So there's going to be a really, I think, amazing and positive aspect of it. And I think there's also going to be a aspect of it that maybe is not as, uh, as nice. Um, for example, the whole aspect of Aquarius being where, you know, we don't get to be unique anymore. Um, we, we, it, it's almost like, I think if there's anything, um, that, that happens that doesn't feel good, it's going to be, you know, I think corporations or companies like trying to make us all the same, you know, um, and, but at the same time, what, what can help us rise out of that is the, the aspect of Aquarius being the unique sign, that it's always unique, even though it loves people and it loves networking and it loves connections and it loves the group and it loves humanitarian things. 
it is still has this need to be unique and be itself. And I think the key is to be ourselves while finding new ways of working together in the group. So, yes. <laughs> I think it's um, going to be exciting times. I did Google. It does look like we've got Pluto and Aquarius all the way through 2044. Boom. Yep. So, it's a it, it, nice it long stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, yeah, well, thank you um, so much for uh, joining me in this very, I think, very much needed conversation. And before we go, I would love for you to share with people where they can find you if they want to work with you or do programs with you, um, what you offer and where to find you. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jai. Kmoonastro is where you can find my website, the letter K-M-O-O-N-A-S-T-R-O.com, Kmoonastro, and you can book sessions there, um, find channeled messages that I've provided for Twin Flames there. And right around the time this podcast is going to launch, there's also launching Star School for uh for you so if you've been curious about learning astrology um and you'd like to know you know some of the contextual things that i've talked about here and how to look at a chart and interpret your own interpret someone else's uh there'll be two sessions star school 101 and 201 they're four weeks each happening back to back and you can sign up over at kmoonastro.com if you're curious and you can also find me on youtube kmoon <laughs> pretty simple yes and thank you so much again um i've so enjoyed this conversation i have a feeling that the listeners are going to want us to do this again <laughs> i want to do this again with you you are fun jai <laughs> i love how you put things together my goodness woman oh thank you so much i really appreciate that um and yes we will we will see you guys all soon thank you so much for listening and have um an amazing uh new moon in leo the day that this podcast is being launched amazing thanks so much jay take care everyone bye for now Thank you so much for listening to the Channel for Grace Uncut podcast. If you loved this episode and this podcast, make sure that you subscribe and leave a review. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube as Channel for Grace, and you can discover a world of amazing offerings on my website. If you want to learn astrology, if you want to learn what it means to discover your inner sacred feminine, if you're curious about the current astrology and how it's affecting you, if you want private readings of astrology and tarot, or or if you're looking for awesome jewelry designs and Zodiac themes jewelry, then please check out my website, channelforgrace.guru. I will see you soon on my next episode. Mm-hmm.